It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Edition of the podcast. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday. As always, the podcast presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. Be sure and check them out in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, or in Knoxville uh, at 8018 Kingston Pike. And, of course, you can visit them on their website at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. That's East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies for a variety of ailments. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I am Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. We've got plenty of questions to get to in this mailbag edition, and we will jump right in them. With the white sand wants to know Austin Price, who of the in-state recruits does Tennessee have a shot at getting back in with? Who is even taking Tennessee's phone calls, assuming they're calling them right now? I don't like sand. <laughs> I'm more of an ocean or pool kind of guy. I'm assuming he's. Um, I'm assuming he's talking about people in the obviously in the 22 class. Sure. You know, with, with signing day two months away, uh, less than two months away now. You know, I mean, Tennessee's exchanged a few texts over the last several months with the Wade twins, but they don't like having kind of real dialogue with them. I think they're sticking with Kentucky. Um, everybody's wanted to talk about Dallin since he came into the game um, last weekend with his family. But, again, came in, got there right before kickoff, left during the uh, delay, never talked to a coach before or after the game. So, you know, I mean – until until that happens, it's kind of for me hard for me to you know so go down my road. Right. You so know, some, whole I mean, he he there. talks to Jerry Mack. You know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, I mean, da- Dallin. You know, I mean, he 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 trades texts and and stuff with Jerry Mack. But you know, that one's you know, if Tennessee's trying to get back in there, it to me is very much in the infancy stages um, of, of anything. And what about Kate? What do you think they are with Caden Pope? What do you think is going on with Caden Pope, Austin? I mean, yeah. and I mean, I, I don't. I just mean Caden in general. I mean, you look up every week; it's 180 yards or 200 yards or whatever he's putting up. But it seems like that recruitment is just at a standstill in general. Not just not Tennessee, but just kind of in general right now. Is what yeah, like. I agree. Uh, it's got a weird feel to it. Um, it's kind of like I mean, like the Sean Bishop's recruitment has got a weird feel to it. I mean, the kids put up. 2,500 yards um, with a game to go. And, you know, I mean, he, he, his offers are the ones he went and visited this summer when he went and camped at Louisville, Kentucky, and Tennessee. You know, I mean, I think they just kind of hidden over there at Carnes and for Tennessee. I think they ought to be happy that he's kind of hidden at Carnes because I think Deshaun Bishop's really good. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel the same way with, you know, Caden Pope. That one just feels like it don't have a ton of traction. I will say that uh, Cody you know, Cody Jones continues to have really good dialogue with Tennessee, um, Tennessee, and then not just Jerry Mack who recruits Memphis, but also Willie Martinez. You know, because you know Cody's a, a defensive back. Um, I still think he'll officially visit here in the month of November. AP on Bishop what makes it even more surprising for me. I know, I mean, you know, he's hitting at Carnes, but he's got tape against Oak Ridge, which has got some guys that are you know SEC prospects. With Powell, Kate Powell, who's got more. I mean, you know, you you know, college coaches have. Or, people in recruiting offices have at least seen those two games while they're looking at some of the other kids. So that makes it even more well, surprising to me. It, it, he'll, he'll get some added traction. Cause I think he's going to win Mr. Football. 
if he doesn't, that, that, that's a joke. Um, you know, I, I guess if it, the only person that could potentially beat him out would be Destin Wade. Um, and, and actually Destin may win that. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I think he's definitely a finalist. The truth of the matter is though, Summit would still be winning games without Destin Wade. Uh, maybe not as many, uh, but they'd still be winning games. I'm not sure Carnes would win a game without Deshaun Bishop. Like when you just like look at the totality of that award, it's a regular season award. What one kid means to his team, um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna home playoff game for only the second time in school history, only the third winning season in the last forty something years, um, you know, and and have a real chance to finish the season out at at seven and three. And their three losses are to Halls. Um, you know, Powell, and then Tennessee High by like two points. I got only one thing to say, AP. Cards is cards. On to the next question. On to the next question we go. Do you think Tennessee goes to court with Jeremy Pruitt or pays him? Also, is this why Tennessee is continuing to pay the attorneys? Um. I don't know that this. I don't know if this thing's going to end up in court or not. We'll we'll see. I, I think that. Um, I don't think Tennessee's going to settle in the next two weeks. So I think something's going to get filed, but that doesn't mean it ends up going to court uh, w- when it's all said and done. Um, lots of money gets spent when you get, when you start moving towards discovery and all those levels and everything else. Um, it takes a long time to get there generally. Um, so I, I don't know what the end game is going to be as for why Tennessee is continuing to pay, to pay the attorneys. I don't think this is the reason why I think that um, they're just still doing all of their due diligence and trying to button everything up. I, I don't think they're holding on to the, the attorneys because of, of the letter that Jeremy Pruitt um, has, has sent to Tennessee. So um, that, that's where I am with, with that one. We'll, we'll see um, what happens in the next two weeks, but I would be surprised if Tennessee moves in a direction of any kind of settlement uh, before that date that was in the letter that they were going to file if Tennessee did not have a settlement. I don't, I don't anticipate that happening this month. Um, do you guys see any staff movement in the off season? I know you can never tell, but you guys were always pretty on top of it with the previous guys. Thanks in advance. Do you see any staff movement coming off of this, this team? Rob, I don't think, I think the only way there's staff moving is if somebody's getting a promotion somewhere. And I, and I don't see either coordinator getting a head coaching job. Um, and I don't know that anybody that's an assistant right now is, is going to be in line to be a coordinator. I, I don't see anybody making a lateral move is what I'm saying. I don't feel that way. You, you certainly don't hear the kind of rumblings that we've heard of either the head coach being really unhappy with an assistant or an assistant being miserable working for the head coach like we have pretty consistently the last few years. And, and I agree – I was going to say the only one that, that potentially I could see making a move would be Alex Golish based on the fact that he doesn't call the place here. If someone of an equal uh, stature in college football wanted to give him the chance to call plays, then I think he would have to look at that. But I, at, at this point, I don't see there being any change. Yeah, that, that would be, quote, a lateral move, but it would be a promotion if he was getting to call plays. I, yes. I see what you're saying. Go, go ahead, Rob. You were going to say something else? No, I, I was just going to say, I thought that was a good point you had that it, neither one of the coordinators seemed like they're ready to be a head coach, which would be one of your biggest threats and, you know, on, on a lot of staffs. Yeah. And listen, you've got J- Jerry Mack's family's not here yet. His son's finishing his senior season, his senior year of high school in Texas. So he, he's not, I don't think he's moving anywhere before his family ever gets here. They're going to move here 
you know, late spring. Uh, I think Willie Martinez is building a house in Knoxville. Okay, he's not going to he's not going anywhere. I don't think uh, Rodney Garner's family is going to be moving up here in this spring and summer. He's got family who's going to go to UT. You know, daughter's going to go to UT. So I, I don't think anybody's looking uh, to get moving. And I, and I think this group of coaches get along well. I think they've enjoyed this year and they've enjoyed working together. Uh, now, you never know how dominoes might fall with, with somebody and something, but I just – it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of potential for a lot of movement uh, come this offseason. Um, Vol, since 1996, do you think Hypel will find ways – to reduce the number of sacks this week. I'd imagine 11 sacks or whatever the number is, isn't ideal for the past two games. Uh, obviously it's not, they, they got to play better across the front. They've got to play better um, in pass protection with the running backs to try to limit some of that stuff. Um, I guess, I don't know that the quarterbacks held on to it a lot. I mean, Rob, it felt like there was a couple of jailbreaks on, on Saturday that, that created some of those sacks by, by Ole Miss. I just think they've got to protect better, not just up front, but, with the offensive linemen, but throw in the, the tight ends and, and throw in the running backs as well. Yeah, I think, and I, I mean, I don't, I hate the single kid out, but I think Dane Davis really struggled last week. I think there was, a, once Cade went out, I think there was a drop off, but I mean, they've been really bad, however. They're, they're last in the SEC. They've given up 25 sacks. The next highest number is Mississippi, Mississippi State at 17, and they throw it all the time. Yeah. 56, I mean, plus, 56 times a game. And, and have given up fewer sacks than, you know, eight fewer sacks than Tennessee. So, I mean, it's a problem. Yeah, no, no doubt. They, they've got to, they've certainly got to clean a lot of things up there. And, and that's why I think this weekend you have a real shot. I think that, you know, potentially to see Jeremiah Crawford. At, 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 at a tackle, at tackle. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pine, uh, Pine Mountain Ball wants to know any players making buzz on the scout team or backups that are knocking on the door for playing time. I tell you an interesting one that that's kind of brewing out there a little bit. Josh Heupel mentioned this on Ball Calls Wednesday night, uh, and, and AP, I know you've been digging this a little bit. K. Ron Calbert's practicing a little bit um, out on the field. Josh Heupel said Wednesday night that he was that he had been practicing a little bit. I don't think he's ready to play. Don't know when he will be or if he will be. That's not really a scout team guy, but that could change your fortunes up front a little bit if. That got to the point that K-Ron was healthy enough to play and wanted to play this year, Austin. Yeah, I, and, and talking to people, I think that, that becomes a real possibility in the month of November. You know, not going to play this week as the bye week potentially could start to, you know, you know, I don't even say like play 50 snaps, but, you know, if he could give you a couple of series and spell some guys, that's a good thing. Yeah, and, and again, he could play – and still have another year based on the COVID year. Yes. I think, if right? he plays just four games, four to four fewer. And he wants, I mean, I know in talking to some people, he wants to come back. That's his plan right now. Come back for next year? Yes. Yeah. Which, which is why the, the month of November would be big because that leaves him with four left. Even if they make a bowl game, he just wouldn't play the bowl game. Okay. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a guy that just based on, phys, you know, measurables – if he can show the NFL that he can stay healthy for a year, somebody will take a flyer on him late or certainly sign him to a free agent deal. Yeah. Cause he's athletic as can be. And he, if he and can stay huge. healthy. Yeah. And he is, it is huge. Um, other players making, making buds. And we saw Kamal Haddon. That was a bit of a surprise. He was on the field last week. Um, anybody else that, that you're hearing 
um, a, a whole lot about it. I mean, Crawford's a guy I think they've been pushing pretty hard, Austin. Yeah, I mean, he is. They, they've been pushing him, trying to get him ready. Um, you know, he didn't get here until the end of July. And right. all of a sudden, you know, they're trying to push him into playing, you know, potentially this weekend against Alabama. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um, you know, and it, uh, the other guy I would look is in the secondary. Problem is it's just so hard to get on the field. But um, <clears throat> the kid from Florida. Um, Rucker? Rucker. Yeah, Deshaun Rucker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's, he's – they've got some depth and some competition in the secondary uh, moving forward, some young kids that they like. And obviously they're recruiting pretty hard back there as well to try to create – uh, and, and build more depth because they lose you know, quite a bit coming off that unit this year. Well, but do they though? They lose Theo, but Alante could technically come back. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'd be surprised if he's back, wouldn't you? I I talked to him. I talked to him, and he said it's something that he wants to get to the end of the year and then take a look at where he's at. Like I mean, I don't think that he's closed the door on the potential to potentially come back. Well, what I mean, what what I mean, is he is he a surefire draft pick? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know think. where he's going to be at. I mean, I mean, I would, I would think he'd have a shot at going late. I mean, just, I mean, he's got, I don't know what he'll run, but physically. And then everybody else will be back. Physically, he, he's kind of prototype guy for what you want up there, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to run four or five or, or that no. well. And does he want another year with Willie Martinez, who's obviously um, got a great reputation for, for player development as well. So I'm, I'm told if, if the Giants make a change, uh, that that he will go pro, and if they 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 stay with their current form, uh, he'll return. <laughs> I'm playing. Let's go to let's go to E. Schaefer, twenty nine, who wants to know when I attended the South Carolina game and Morvin Joseph was just in a jersey, no pads. I hadn't heard anything on him being injured. What's his status on him? Is he injured or just not ready to play? The team could use his depth at linebacker. I don't think he's I don't think he's on the on the dress roster. I mean, I don't think he's one of their 70 on where they're at right now. And that's why you haven't seen him dress in SEC games. He's not been injured, to my knowledge. Um, we're not on the practice field to see, but I'm not, I'm not aware of an injury that Morvin Joseph uh, has been dealing with or anything like that. Um, Birdie Man Texas wants to know, with it being Alabama week and realignment with conference on the horizon with Texas and OU, any more thought on divisions uh, and pods? Does the current leadership view the Alabama game as non-negotiable? I don't know where the current administration is on the Alabama game. I've not asked that question. It feels like pods, Rob, is where they're going to where this leads. That's what the commissioner said the nomination. That's what he started talking about freely. Pods. So they had made a decision, but he brought up pods. I mean, I think that makes the most sense, you know, geographically by far, and you know. Then you figure out what your, you know, who your rotating opponents are going to be. But it's, you know, AP mentioned this the other night. But to, for Tennessee to compete with Kentucky every year, when you know who, who's their common opponent in in the West, Mississippi, Mississippi State, State, and and for you know for Tennessee to play Alabama every year, I mean that's just that's a competitive disadvantage. I mean I'm I'm kind of old school, and I like I'd like to see it continue, but it's you know it's just unwieldy and and not fair. Yeah, it certainly works against. It's worked against Tennessee. I mean, you can't look at you can't look at anybody's schedule in, in the league and say they play a harder schedule year in year out than what Tennessee plays right Tennessee now. When you talk about Georgia and Alabama, on yeah, the they play year. the best two programs every year. Yeah, 
Yep. I mean, with where it's at right now, it's cyclical. It'll change at some point, but it's not changed with Alabama for a long and time. And then when you, and then when, when you get in those, those grooves where you're playing LSU or A&M or Auburn in the West, it's a murderer's you know, row. It's, I mean, look at Butch, Butch again, beat Georgia and Florida in 2016 then had to go to college station, lost in overtime, lost to Alabama, then laid the egg against South Carolina and found that found his way into beating Georgia and Florida and not making it to it. I predict that will never happen again. That should beat those two teams and don't make it. Yes. Yeah. I'd say you're probably right. I, I, I would say that that's uh, that would be what they call a one-off. I don't see that one happening again. Um, Chase KTM wants to know uh, Josh Heupel needs to play with short passes and middle throws for Joe Milton. Alabama blitzes like crazy. The faster he can throw the ball will be great. You guys think they will make adjustments. Um, I mean, I think they'd like, I mean, I think they'd like their quarterback to get it out of their hand uh, quickly. I think Alabama's Rob's going to take their defensive backs and just crawl up in Tennessee's face and play man to man and challenge them a good bit. At least, at least, at least that's what I think that, that they're going to do. Um, that, that's what they've typically done is, is they've kind of, They've lined up that way. I don't know that they're going to give Tennessee the easy throws like Milton had in the Bowling Green game. Which they have not been able to do. Joe Milton playing quarterback. It is Joe Milton. I think, I think Rob froze up on us there for a minute. You there, Rob? All right. We'll, 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 we'll go ahead on. I, I don't, I don't see, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with, with Alabama that way. But um, I, I just think that they're going to make it hard for, Tennessee just to raise up and throw it. Um, I do think slants are Joe Milton's best route right now, but we'll see if uh, we'll see if they can um, we'll see if they can do that or not or, or not do that. Alabama may not give those slants up, Austin Price, uh, but Tennessee's got to protect, and they may not have to blitz to get to him with, with where this offensive line is at. Um, all right, moving on to Hog Wild here. Um, the more I see from Josh Heupel and the culture he's creating within the football program, the more it reminds me of what the basketball team has built where tough, high character and hardworking kids are drawn to the opportunity to play under Rick Barnes. Is that a flawed perception from the outside or is that an accurate assessment of the feeling in and around the football program? Austin. Uh, I think that's an accurate, you know, perception, you know, um, you know, they, they just, I think there's a really good, you know, team chemistry, staff chemistry, just a good feel around the program right now. And that, I think that's a big reason why there's such a great buy-in. And I think that's where, that's where the buy-in happened under Coach Barnes is, you know, you saw a few things go Tennessee's way um, and the kids just started to buy in and, and they started to have fun playing and, and kind of built a, a bond both on and off the floor. Yeah, let, let me go back to, to Chase's question about Joe Milton over the middle and, and those types of things. I'm not saying Joe Milton's going to start. He was asking if Joe Milton's the quarterback, then that's what they need to do. I, I'm not ruling out Hendon Hooker from starting and playing in this game. So I, I want to make that clear because I didn't when I was asking that question. So I don't want anybody to assume I'm saying he's not going to play. Hendon Hooker has practiced this week, Austin, I don't think it's determined yet whether he's going to go or he's not going to go, but he has done more than anybody anticipated him doing when he walked off the field Saturday night. Well, you know, there are no ligament damage or anything like that. I mean, it's just more just a, a massive, massive, massive bruise um, contusion to that leg. So, you know, if, if you brace it up and you can't really do any damage to it, then 
you know, I, I don't see no reason why he can't play. Yeah, and that'll be a medical decision, and based on how he feels, you know, at, at the end of the week. But, but I you know, I never, I didn't, I didn't see no reason why they couldn't call the Tyler Barron and play a touchdown, or you know, Jacob Warren a first down. But hey, yeah, and I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure that I don't think the SEC is going to say suggest that they did anything wrong in terms of that that play call in the Tyler Barron deal. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that they're going to see or that they see fault um, in the way that that play, that the way they officiated that particular play. So, uh, but we'll see what happens with Hendon Hooker. I, I don't know um, that that'll be determined when we get to the end of the week and, and kind of go from there. Uh, Vol Mike wants to know why should Tennessee pay any portion of that fine for fan misbehavior when the SEC did not find Ole Miss for the exact same behavior in a basketball game? Does the SEC believe they need to be consistent in applying such rules regarding the game plan for us addressing these types of situations in the future? How about we tell the SEC that we will use the same playbook Ole Miss submitted after the basketball event? Well, here's the thing. This rule is the Ole Miss rule. This finds the Ole Miss fine. It came into effect, from what I understand, after the Ole Miss thing at the end of the Tennessee Ole Miss basketball game. Um, I think the precedent was set in meetings afterwards that, hey, moving forward, you know, we're going to – and people knew we're going to subject you to fine and that type of thing. Now, you can wonder why they didn't find Ole Miss and start the precedent with them, and they waited and started with Tennessee. Okay, that's fine. But I think that was – this was a – fining for this action was something discussed at spring meetings, coaches' AD meetings, following that basketball season when you went to the, the meetings in Destin down in, in uh, late May, 1st of June. So I, I think that's, that's the, the SEC's answer to that um, and, and, and why that they were not fined and Tennessee was fined. Um, at least that's the way I, I – Hubbard, I, honestly, I was there, but I, I honestly don't remember. Did, did that – I know it happened after Admiral drew a charge at midcourt, but did it stop the game or was the game over? Game was over when they started with yeah. all that. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, that's a that's a slight difference. Remember, Admiral drew that that charge as the buzzer sounded, like because Rick was living yeah, like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Part, to, not a not a really smart play." Yeah, what are you doing taking a charge forty feet from the basket on a buzzer beater? Uh, he was said it was a charge, but I don't think that's what Rick Barnes was looking for for him to do at that point. Uh, speaking of basketball, to you, Rob. Uh, from iHeartBalls, during Barnes's tenure at UT, it appears that his teams have outperformed their preseason rankings. It appears that his teams that have outperformed their preseason rankings have done so when a second or third year player has made a big leap. Some examples of that include, obviously, Admiral and Grant, Kyle Alexander, most recently John Fulkerson. For that to happen this season, perhaps make a run at, at Final Four or deep in the tournament, my guess is it has to be Josiah or maybe Olivier. Do you see them or anyone else making that leap? I think Olivia is going to make a leap, and I would say he's the most important guy when you're talking about re returning players who have to be more productive if Tennessee is going to outperform expectations. There's no doubt in my mind it's going to be him. I'm just not sure how much different of a player you're ever going to see Josiah be. I think he's he is what I call a, an elite role player in that you know, he's going to get you 12 points, seven rebounds, four, five, six assists, two or three steals. I mean, he's going to – I just don't think he's ever going to be, you know, 16-point scorer game, that that dynamic. Do, do you I, not I, compare him kind of to J.P. Prince? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a little more skilled than that. I mean, Josiah can – I mean, he, 
he he can you know shoot 35 40% from three point range but yeah i think that's a pretty good comparison you got you know both lefties just like bigger and stronger jp was pretty frail but close to that but uh i i, I can't stress enough how much they need olivier to to really make that leap now, i'm not he's not going to make a admiral Schofield from sophomore to junior year type leap they just need him to be they need for him to be solid and dependable let's uh, go to the to the veg, veg here who's got a question do you know if the current administration athletic department has reached out to aj johnson he has had a successful career so far in the nfl and would be a more prominent vfl if it weren't for what happened to him his senior year since he's out for the year due to injury maybe the ad could bring him back as a legend of the game let him run through the tee one last time since he lost the opportunity uh, i don't think they do legends of the game but they, they've reached out to him austin i mean that that's you know, this this current uh, staff of people have, have made it uh, – they, they have reached out to all former players. They sent care packages to NFL guys, and certainly he's been on that list. Um, I don't know how much A.J. wants to come back to Knoxville, uh, but he's certainly welcome back anytime he, he wants to come back. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I mean it was a, a rough go during all that, and then when he was finally cleared, he, you know, he, he's gotten married, he's got a family, and, you know – married to a Kingsport girl and, you know, doing really, really well. And, you know, he's kind of rebranded himself and, uh, you know, kudos to him, man. He did yeah. not let that drag him down. No, it's amazing that he was still an NFL caliber guy after all the years off from football that he dealt with. Hey, Austin Volrocker wants to know, is Tennessee still recruiting Nathan Robinson out of Greenbrier? Haven't heard his name being mentioned in a while. They are, um, but he's not been up here. So, you know, They'd love for him to come take a visit. All right. Another recruiting question. Uh, will Tennessee have any interest in wide receivers, Coffee Brown from North Carolina or Coy Moore from LSU, who both went into the portal this week? Uh, Chuffrey Brown, um, potentially, you know, I, not elite ball skills, but can run. Um, you know, uh, I, I know that's somebody Tennessee's at least watched. I don't know about the other kid. All right, uh, you got any nuggets you've been holding back for a rainy day? That was that that came from uh, uh, Anthron. Um, I've always got nuggets that I'm holding back. <laughs> All right, T N Bowles wants to know SEC officiating must improve. Any suggestions on how we as fans can get sanking companies' attention without throwing plastic bottles? We seem to be on the short end of the stick more times than not. Close games rarely go our way. There's usually one or two momentum. Uh, monumental bad calls against us that would change the outcome. Parity in the game is real. It's sad that these games come down to bum calls. Uh, I don't know that there's anything fans can do. Uh, I still think, Rob, that you, 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 we talked about this on Tuesday on, on the Tuesday podcast. You got to look at ways to get yourself better angles to try to fix, you know, the some of the human error uh, and, and and help those on the field officials out who are in bad positions to make plays. Yeah, I mean. I don't know what AP you might know. Is it something for production truck limitation? But is there's no excuse for the SEC network not to have as many cameras as the CBS game. I mean, uh, that that's just all a budgetary deal. Like that, that's all a budgetary it, deal. It shouldn't be. For, I mean, no. with the way they're printing money. Correct, and that's my point too. But like that, that's all just like you know, paying for more cameramen paying for additional cameras that, that's crew, more travel for your crew, more equipment costs, you know? Yeah. That, that, that's a, 
And that's something that I think has to be addressed. I mean, and again, I think we can figure out a way to get line of scrimmage shots, yard line, you know, yard to gain shots somehow, some way, whether you use that in your game production or you don't, you mount it with some kind of other camera, we ought to be able to find a way to, to get that done. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll get off that soapbox, but I just think that needs to be done. All right, final question to you, Rob Lewis, here as we wrap up the podcast. Uh, MB Morris 94 seems to be some smoke towards Dylan Mitchell in Texas after his official visit to Auburn. Is there fire there? Was there some serious changes after his visit, or was this recruitment just always hard to track? Uh, this, I mean, this has gone all over the board. It's gone from him being a Florida State lock in August to Tennessee being back in it and Texas just kind of being, you know, a third option. I mean, I, I don't know what the kid's going to do. I mean, it's just, again, in, in August, everybody, not, I mean, not necessarily me, but it was assumed he was a lock to Florida State. Then it was assumed Texas was had no chance. He goes to Texas, and I, I was told by someone pretty close to the situation that while he was at Texas, he texted two Florida State players and told him he was, he was committing to, to Florida State. <laughs> then he gets back, and now, every, now everybody thinks he's going to Texas. It, it, the way things have gone, if Tennessee doesn't get him back on campus for a visit, I don't, I don't know where he's going, but I don't think it's going to be here. I know his, in talking to people, his mother prefers Florida State or Tennessee. And the kid evidently, you know, wasn't taking Texas very seriously and then got there this weekend and loved it. But I, I think Tennessee's got to get him back up here. So we'll see if that happens, and we'll see what happens this weekend with Tennessee on the gridiron as they take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Quest.